welcome to this week week's episode of whiskey and mash down the series. My name is Chris Pullman. And I'm Gloria Ackerman and I was dying to yell porky at you, but I didn't. I appreciate that because while I may have (laughs) used a stutter, it was only um, in reference to one of the characters in our first episode from season 11, episode 9, Run for the Money. And uh, then we are also going to review season 11, episode 10, UN, The Night and the Music. And Run for Your Money has actually three plots, I think. Yeah, no, I, I agree. Um, the first one, um, BJ and Hawkeye are on their way to breakfast, and Father Mulcahy runs up. He just took a run to the orphanage, and mm. things are bad. Not good at all. They mm-hmm. need a roof. Their place is falling down. It's yeah. just not good. So no. that's one situation. Yep. Uh, Klinger then came around, and he found out that we have an Olympic sprinter coming. He... Um, actually was short like one or one tenth of a second mm-hmm. short of making it to the Olympics. Which, by the way, is apparently a really huge deal in the 100 yard dash. So just saying. Yeah. So he found out where they're getting this guy. He's coming. And so he wanted to make this big bet with the 163rd to have a race. You know, Klinger, you should figure out by now you need to see the person first. But okay. Um, th- mm-hmm. Then uh, the yep. third part of this episode of this week is um, some wounded engineers. And one of the engineers has a stutter. Actually, yeah. Yep. One of the engineers has a stutter and mm-hmm. they're mean to him. Like they his are. boss is mean to other engineers. Mm-hmm. Like like I said, they called him Porky and said, You tell him about it and like they're constantly making him use his stutter and I think the more nervous he gets, the worse he stutters. Oh and no we'll talk about Charles interaction with him oh and goodness. why Charles Charles took this on this boy under his wing and just yeah it without the foreknowledge of what actually happens it seems so odd for charles it's like why doesn't doesn't because charles just does things Mm -hmm. like and you never know why no but this one there is exactly like is a reason you know yeah for for somebody watching this fresh it's like there has to be a reason for this Mm, but you don't you don't know why because i mean what the first interaction with this kid that we really see is in post-op. I'm sorry, I'm sure I'm jumping into your summary. No, but, I, I um, summarized everything, okay, so okay. let's go I'm, for it. I was looking something up. I was multitasking, I'm sorry. Okay, sure. <laughs> Don't listen. Okay, that happens to, to a lot to me at work. But, um, so yeah, you know, we see, um, pardon me, burp, uh, the first time Charles really interacts with this kid is when his CO, this captain, comes in and starts making fun of him and says, you know, if, if you weren't too dumb, you would have seen the mine. Mm. And they even called him dummy. Mm-hmm. And then Charles just comes over and pulls the captain aside, which is very classy of him because he could have just berated this captain right there. But instead he pulls him out in the clinger's office and says, now you listen here, captain. If you say so much as a negative word about that boy one more time, I'm going to put a letter of reprimand in your 201 file 
where it will follow you for your whole life. You're getting Charles better. Have you been Thank working you. on that? No, I just tried to, like, I, I have a decent <laughs> Boston Kennedy, and I just tried to alter that. Um, uh, no, and it's so unlike him to get involved. Like, yeah, and and just out of the blue, and, and, like, he just jumps to that, you know? It's not like he slowly edged up to, well, we're going to do this. No, he just went to, you will not. Right, exactly. If you do, I will come down on you like a ton of bricks. And that's not very Charles-like. Only a few times has he gotten that directly involved. I would say the other time. And to actually say that he's going to report him. Mm -hmm. That takes some forethought. That takes... Mm -hmm. uh, you know, it. yeah, it's a thing. And, um, you know, the captain... Again, there, there's not a direct chain of command between the two, but... Charles is a major. So legitimately if he lodged a complaint against a captain it would be taken seriously mm -hmm. and so the captain just went all right fine you know geez because frank used to lodge complaints all the time yeah he's <laughs> gone over my head so many times i have athlete scalp i mean and he said i'll go they... over your head to general hammond i said G fine frank go <laughs> And uh, they always did take it, uh -huh. though. I mean, uh -huh. how many times was he pulled in to court? To court martial Henry. <laughs> oh, poor Henry. Yeah. So, but, um, you know, that. So at least the CO gets off this kid's back. But then, um. The other two. Do you, do you just want to talk about that whole storyline? Go ahead. Because it's kind of its own yeah. independent thing. It, it is doesn't... its own independent thing. I, I think there's, like I said, there's three. Yeah. Kind of. You know, and the other two are mildly related, but this one is quite separate it is very separate yeah um, because so you know the the other guys are still razzing him in post-op about being porky pig and being a dummy and um i wonder how that got associated like because i heard i mean i heard that years ago that if people who stutter and it's not an intelligence thing and no winchester specifically says he had not um yeah stuttering is not tied to intelligence Intelli in fact i looked up your file uh Very what's, intelligent. what's the kid's name it's Winchester uh, is helping palmer he can he looked up his iq is well above average mm -hmm. um earl no correlation no. between stuttering and ignorance yeah and gave him he gave a him Moby, Moby a Dick? book of Moby Dick, a leather-bound uh, book. I, 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 I can't accept this. It's leather-bound. It's leather-bound. And it is, I think, perhaps, Maybe like I, I told you, one of my favorite lines of the series. And it was, that is worthy of your intelligence. Because the kid was convinced that he couldn't. Um, that he wasn't bright because that he, he was wasn't stuttering. Yeah, that he couldn't read anything above a Marvel comic. What sometimes can get pretty complicated, though. Mm, <laughs> no, it, it depends on what age of the comics you're yeah. living in. But, um, yeah, it just... I've tried to read or listen to Moby Dick on the audiobook. That is dry. Uh-huh. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, my God. That is horrible. I know. Um, yeah, and just in that part, 
Mm-hmm. You hear when Klinger comes around trying to suck up to everyone because something happens that we'll talk about later, yeah. and everyone's kind of ticked at Klinger, mm-hmm. and he's going around giving the mail with very kind, oh, here you go, handsome doctor, here you go, wonderful person, and yeah. Charles <laughs> gets a tape from his sister, Honoria. Yeah. Yeah, and we hear about and, um, her quite a bit. So yeah, and it, I really appreciate what he gets from her that tape, and when he plays it, "Hello, Charles, my d- dear brother, it was so wonderful to see the p- p- performance the other night." And so. His sister, who he's very fond of and mm-hmm. references a lot, and always in a positive way. Yeah, she's not. She's um, not dim. It, and she stutters, so it was great to hear that. I'm glad he got a tape, mm-hmm. so that you know. But he never tells him that the boy. No, no. Like he doesn't say it's because my sister or because. Major, I I I appreciate it, but why why are you doing this? Oh, I think that we should be getting you back to post-op private. Yeah. I mean, he just, he just he ignores do- it. He could very well, you know, tell all these stories and, you know, make it but, about him, but he doesn't mm-hmm. do that. As, as self-righteous as he is, he mm-hmm. isn't. Yeah. When it comes to giving or helping, he keeps that very private. Yeah. And that's, that's quite admirable, I think. No, and that... Because usually that's where people break, is that stuff. Mm-hmm. And the other stuff that he brags about, you know, doesn't matter. Yeah, I just... No, it's... Mm-hmm. I agree. It's so... It's so incredible to me. And it's the reason that I love Charles, is these little moments um, like this. Like with um, Ravel. When he got the one-handed sheet music oh, yes. for the soldier who had limited use of his right hand, it's these moments that no, no one else knows of. N- absolutely no one else in the camp. We know of because we're the omniscient mm-hmm. observer. But Charles's humanity is so deep, and it makes me wonder when we see moments like this, where. He's not doing this out of pity. He's doing this out of a sense of what's right and just, you know? And Mm -hmm. that, it takes character to stand up to somebody else like he did to the captain. A character I don't know if I have. I haven't had a chance to do it in life. Uh, It's hard. It's hard. It's It's hard. hard. And There's a few things that we do, uh-huh. but I can't talk about them because no. then it wouldn't be. <laughs> no, right. But, you know, it's just, you know, it's I, that sort of thing where it's like, Charles really is a man of principle and a man uh-huh. of character, and he's not just a rich, conservative, stuck-up snob. He is... A giving person. And somebody who... He may who not cares give. about a, a, a sense of social justice, I think. Right. I think so, too. But not publicly. Right. You know, it's that same thing with, um, what was the French girl? Um, oh, gosh. You know, where, um, was it Renee? No, I it don't was, remember um, her name, but I... Yeah, where, you know, 
He wanted to be with her so badly, but it was her lifestyle, and he just right. They were completely couldn't. different. He just couldn't. He wanted to, but it it's almost like okay. So here I'm gonna pull in the the comic uh, more reference two? here. More two. M O R T U E. More two. Lashed. I don't Talked think so. all night. But um. What was the name of the episode? Foreign Affairs. Foreign Affairs. I'll just type that in. And Number look it three. Up. Foreign Affairs. One G twenty two. Sorry, people. But um, <laughs> yeah. Foreign Affairs. But this is a great episode. It's it is one of the um, memorable ones. It's one know, of them when you say, "Okay, name me Martin, ten mash." Martin Leclerc. Um, name me, you know, ten, and the stuttering one is what it, I call it. I remember. Um, it, and, and the and the and the race part is mm -hmm. also very memorable. Mm -hmm. Um, but if I may, just real quick, um, to pull in the comic book thing a little bit more, it's interesting to me because in this episode, it's almost like in my mind, it's cemented that Charles has a secret identity. That oh yes, his his Clark Kent identity is Ch Major Charles Emerson Winchester the third, right? So that's what he presents to everyone else. Because remember, Clark Kent is not the the normal person. That is the secret ident or that that's um that's the secret identity. That's the 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 mask. Right. Clark Kent is the mask. Superman. Is the identity. Is the identity. So I feel like with Charles, in my mind, Charles Emerson Winchester III is the mask. And Charles Winchester that we see when he's talking to this young man in the lab alone. And is just the masked identity. It is the yeah, is is the true identity, is the is who he is at his core and he's helping this guy. And it's just it's weird, but it's awesome and I love Charles when he has these moments. I love Charles when he when he does what's right, even if it's not what you would expect based on his station in life. So anyway, uh, you, you were saying about um, the race. The race. The race. Well, are we finished talking? We should finish this part out. Um, well, I th what, what else is there? I mean, I he mean, gives him the book. He gives him the book. He fi we find out that Charles' sister, Honoria, is a stutterer. Mm -hmm. Charles is just, he does everything from the goodness of his heart. And yeah. I think we touched on all of it. Um, yeah. The race, what happens is Klinger finds out that we're going to get McFarlane, who is this great runner, and they can't wait. So he talks Margaret and BJ and Hawk. Well, actually, and he talks like Margaret all the into um, putting up two weeks' salary. And Margaret well, one talks week at first. One, one, week, week, at first. one and week at first. Yeah, I, I would say, in my mind, Klinger talks Margaret into one week. Margaret and Klinger talk the captains into one week's salary. And at that point, you have a fairly large pot to start with. Mm -hmm. And I think Klinger then goes and talks to the rest of the camp and goes, And look, says, look, guys, they did. Yeah, we already have so much money. Because it sounds like even Colonel Potter put it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So... Everyone put in to this. It's a huge pot. Yeah. And so it's the 4077th against the 8063rd. They're going to have this race. We have an Olympic guy, so a sprinter, so we're going to win this for sure. Mm -hmm. Well, the p truck pulls up, bringing McFarlane in, and 
Clingers anxiously waiting. The guys are getting off the truck. Are you McFarlane? Are you? No, he's in the no, back. He's in the back. He's in the back. All of a sudden, you see this heavy set elderly man kind of roll yeah, like a, off the truck. I want to say like a staff sergeant. Hey yeah. there, Sonny. Can you help a man with his duffel bag? <laughs> and then. Is there anyone left on the truck? Nope. I'm the last one. Joseph McFarlane. Oh! oh! You must be talking about my son. Do you want to know? He's the greatest guy. He missed it by one tenth of a second. <laughs> and the captains and Margaret turn to Klinger, who then goes, Is that the phone? Or some other lame excuse. It wasn't the phone ringing, but. He tries to slink away, and that doesn't go over quite so well. So, they know that um, he can't run. Definitely. No, he can hardly yeah. get off the truck. Yeah. So, they're next thing they're looking at father mulcahy who runs to be healthy mm -hmm. um so he's not really a distance runner he's a boxer we all know that from but, other uh, past but he's episodes. not competitive he's never competitive he's not competitive so they beg him to race against masters because yeah. he's oh, he's good he has I, short little tight shorts and he's <laughs> like you said um i think it was very indicative of the times uh, McFarlane comes out from the 063rd, has the long sleeve shirt on and these tiny shorts, and he <laughs> has male camel toe. I know, seriously. <laughs> but he's definitely a runner. You see these long, long legs, mm -hmm. and he could, and you could see right away that he could run around, mm -hmm. um, Mulcahy you know, just Mulcahy like 10 nothing. times as they go. Yeah, and he, still be fine. It was was yeah he he would stop for drinks and have a chat you know with water and then he'd see Mulcahy and he'd run but mm. Mulcahy would talk to him a little bit and a little bit at each whenever they were alone whenever. right after the yeah because he would stop and talk for water and Mulcahy mm -hmm. had to run up and grab his water but then they and would be at the it. same yeah. level for a little while mm -hmm. and every time he would mention oh you know isn't the weather lovely it was a shame that it was raining last week when the orphans mm. had to get all wet. Yeah. If only they had a new roof. And, you know, it was so cold. The, you know, last night. They could really I mean, use a floor. Yeah. And maybe a stove. That would be nice. <laughs> and so, all of a sudden, at the end of the race, you see Mulcahy come running up. and Sprint to the finish! And he stops just short of the finish and says, Who Literally wants to skids donate? to a stop. Literally skids. Because... If he loses, Every then everyone loses. Everything's just gone to yeah. 8063rd. And they have more than money at stake. Margaret has this kind of competitive thing going with the head what? nurse there. Yeah. Like Parallel it, Parker, Parallel Parker, the head nurse of the 8063rd, Judy Barker. So it's just like everyone wants to win this in the worst way. And he stops short, and McFarland's or what's his name? McFarland. McFarland's coming up. You watch him coming up, and he's and Father Mulcahy said, right. "Come on, no. are you gonna donate or not donate?" They must have all said yes, Remastors. and he no. ran across. Yeah. So yeah, it's either you lose everything or you lose your winnings, because yeah, it was. Um, they got to keep their original. So you know, well, the the whole point of getting Mulcahy to try and run was their money was lost already. Right. That's the way they saw it. We're already out a week's pay. The worst we can do is be out a week's pay. Father, will you please try? And uh, 
they they don't know this at first, but then when they're recovering, McFarlane walks by Mulcahy, and Mulcahy winks at him. So they knew something was up. And I think it was Potter who goes, Father, <laughs> do you have a twitch? Because you just winked at him. And then he reveals the whole, well, he was toying with me. I knew Masters, I didn't stand a chance. Masters lost on purpose for the mm -hmm. orphans. Mm -hmm. And it was funny because then he said, every moment I had alone with him, I would tell him about the orphans. I would tell. Mm -hmm. And it was the orphans cheering him on at the end and McFarland yeah. seeing them that was like the last straw. Mm -hmm. Because mm -hmm. they ran from the four double seventh to, to the, the orphanage, orphanage and, and then that. back. So... And how could you look at those little faces? I, you know, yeah, I think it was a little underhanded by Father Mulcahy, but, you know, they talk about that. You know, <laughs> they, wait a minute, Father, you don't want to do this because of the money? Are you not the same person who, who a week ago took the big pot in poker? Who pulls the house pot in bingo? <laughs> And Klinger's thinking, holy cow, he just won this race. Yeah. So Klinger's setting up all these races again with Father. Mm. Um, you know, and then he goes, ab you see, he's not too bright this way. Mm -hmm. He went and set up all the races, yeah. then went to talk to Father about racing, and Father said, Klinger, he threw the race. <laughs> you know, I'm glad. That you told me before I went and did something stupid, like make a bunch more bets. Thank you, Father. Ring, 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 ring. Sparky, all bets are off. <laughs> so he had made the bets, but it was that was the closing. It was kind it of was, funny. Yeah. Clinger, learn a lesson. So great episode. Because there was so much going on, every character was used again. Yeah. You know, they're getting, they use yeah. more and more, yeah. and it, I love it. I do. Oh, absolutely. Um, looking at IMDb, if there's anything. Um, let's see here. There was an anachronism when they're in the bar drinking beer from cans. They're aluminum pop tops, which didn't exist at the time. <laughs> yeah, they still so, had to use the opener. The which you, yeah, which you normally see. You normally see the yeah. where they have to do. But apparently they had pop tops. I didn't see that. Um, uh, what else? Factual errors. Klinger says McFarland just missed making the 100-yard dash team for the Olympics by a tenth of a second the hundred yard dash a tenth of a second is a very substantial difference in times so that that makes sense um otherwise no no other really notes in the wiki or the imdb so okay anything else no i'm curious if it's a 1g because i just can't figure out the whole <laughs> system okay uh so guest stars recurring cast we have thomas calloway as captain sweeney that would be the one who was making fun of the soldier um, Barbara Tarbuck as Major Judy Parallel Parker. Who is Margaret's nemesis. Mm -hmm. William G. Schilling as Sergeant Jessup Jesse McFarland Sr. Robert Allen Brown as Colonel Crocker, the CO of the 8063rd. Kelly Nakahara as Kelly, uh, Lieutenant Kelly Yamato. Mark Anderson as Private Earl Jackrabbit Lamasters. Michael Kahn as one of the GIs who was making fun of the 
Stuttering Kid can write as the other GI. Uh, let's see here. Production code 9B03. No hyphens. I think they've just given up. <laughs> <laughs> no, there's 9B what, earlier. What, what, what code can we make up? Uh, 15C2. No, no, we have to have the letter in the second place. Oh, well then, 2B13. There was a 9B01. <laughs> Way back in the 10th season. <laughs> Writer, Elias Davis, David Pollock, and Mike Farrell. Director, Neil Cox. Original air date, December 20th, 1982. Next up, we have episode 10, UN, The Night, and The Music. So, um, we open an OR. They're operating. BJ has a bad case. He was laying in dirt and mud for a long time so his wound is infected if they don't clean it right he's going to get gangrene and they're going to have to take the leg um but as that's happening there are three doctors who come to the four double seventh from the un one is from england dr kent another is from, from sweden another is from sweden oh. that is dr johansson and then there is a third from india that is, um, and then, uh, the, the third doctor was Captain Ramurchi Lal, I think was how I say that. I'm sorry. I, I should know Indian names better from the contractors I work with, but I don't. Um, and they all play a part, a different part. Um, so like, uh, Potter's having a bad headache. Clinger's having bad neck pains, and uh, the Indian captain helps with that, which is neat. Uh, Major Winchester ends up uh, in a very, uh, I don't know, a very weird relationship with Dr. Kent, where yeah. he keeps trying to impress Dr. Kent, and Dr. Kent just keeps, like, telling him, no, you're wrong, and Winchester just keeps saying, well, Winchester oh. Winchester thought that he was a nobleman. Yeah. Like... Um, we'll talk about where he's actually from, but yeah, that was great, because even Dr. Kent says, to see you just come groveling back for more, it was fantastic. <laughs> and then uh, Dr. Johansson was, is, was Swedish, and everybody was just, they were just, um, just falling over Dr. Johansson. And how he was good looking. Oh, he was very good looking, and he has that accent, you know, the, the Swedish accent, and... None of the nurses could get enough of him, especially Aunt Margaret, when she came into the oak club in her, in her black turtleneck. Well, when the, she's uh, in her black turtleneck, you know yeah, she's that, you know, something. Oh, yeah, that turtleneck, yeah. But you, you see, uh, when he first got to Krieger, he was in a jeep and it hit a landmine. And he was, he was wounded. He was wounded. And uh, he became impotent, so he couldn't... Uh, be with, a be with a woman, you know, and um, we see how that turns out. But then also we uh, see see that side of BJ that I'm less than completely enthused about seeing, where he just he he invests himself so much in a patient and just really he takes it on personally whenever he, he does can't all the time, though. Yeah, yeah you know whenever he can't get them out of there a hundred percent he just takes it as a complete personal failure 
And he shouldn't because he does a lot of good. Mm-hmm. A lot of good. And he saved this kid's life, even though he ended up having to take the kid's life. 90%, 7% of the wounded come out alive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And this kid did. He got to go home to his wife and daughter. And he actually kind of made a joke about it. Yeah. Tell me, do me a favor, Doc. Don't tell my wife. I love to go dancing. And if she knows, she'll hide the wooden leg. <laughs> <laughs> so, it, it was a really neat episode. Um, definitely another one that I remember. Um, you know, just the... Yeah, the, the different characters that they bring in are so neat. Um, yeah, it's... You, do, you, do you have one that you like above the others of the three? No, I just like the way Margaret and um, mm-hmm. Mr. Johansson yeah. re, um, in that. Because he finally does tell Margaret mm-hmm. about his situation. And she's like, well, fine, let's... And he's like, well, my... Bunkmate's gonna be back soon, and yeah. she's like, "Well, let's go to my place. I don't have any roommates, yeah. so it wasn't Which, something that was so important to her, mm-hmm. and she just wanted to get to know him as a as a person." Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it was really How great, about, and I really liked um, the um, I, I can't don't know how to say the, his name either. In, yeah. Indian gentleman, Ramuchi. because he taught Ramuchi. them the yoga, and yeah. every time you walk in, there's um, another person in a first on his hat, standing on no. his head, and then Klinger standing on his head, and everyone's feeling better. And I'm just gonna go ahead and put out there. I know I understand why they did that, but um, I can't do a headstand like that yet. <laughs> um. They were up against the wall, though. Against the wall of a tent? Oh. <laughs> that, I'm sure somebody was holding their feet while they were suspended. It just, like, yeah, it, it, I get it. It made perfect sense. It had the best impact, but, like, no. You're not just going to go from no yoga to that. Okay, yeah, No, that's true. I don't, you know, because Colonel Potter says, are you a yogi? Or a, a whatever he asked the guy. No, I am. I just find that meditating helps really find my center. And it's like, um, no. Because even at the end, the last time when, when they're in Colonel Potter's tent and Hawkeye comes in for some advice, <laughs> there is Potter upside down on his head. There's Klinger upside down on his head. And the Indian captain is, just, <laughs> is just sitting up cross-legged. That I can I can buy. So I I find that as a little bit of a anachronism or a a, a, a miss in the plot. But you know whatever. Yeah. Um, it it was still neat. It was still neat to see, you know, these times where it's like Western medicine. Obviously, not the only answer because right. I agree. If you can calm yourself and just kind of get to peace with your body it's amazing what your body can do in terms of repairing itself automatically like that you know lower your blood pressure i mean there there's physiological stuff that goes along with that but like colonel powder's headache probably went away because his blood pressure went down right Klinger's neck ache probably went away because he relaxed right but it was because of the meditation that the indian doctor had him do something that i thought was important was yeah. 
the um, Swedish gentleman went to Hawkeye and told him about his situation. Mm-hmm. And Hawkeye protected him yeah. by trying to keep... Yeah, like, no, I... Keep Margaret away. So without, mm-hmm. without yeah. telling Margaret his story, he was helping the Swedish... So he helps in his own way, too. Yeah. Oh, he... In fact, at the end, Margaret, you know, came up to him and says, You jerk. Looks like you had... Uh, or Hawkeye said, Margaret, looks like you had a wonderful night. She said, yes. And thanks for trying to be such a jerk. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because, yeah, in, in post-op, Johansson comes up to Hawkeye and says, You know, when I was approaching Major Hulahan, you did not seem very enthused. No, no, I'm happy for you. You know, have fun. And then Johansson tells him about it, and Hawkeye's like, oh, oh, I'm sorry. And so then, yeah, you know, I think he... Hawkeye genuinely cares about people, so he's willing to help right. Johansson. But then also with Margaret, um, he cares enough about Margaret that he doesn't want to see her hurt or embarrassed either. Right. And so... Um, so he tried to protect her. So he tried to protect her, too. And it was... It was neat to see that. I agree. Despite the fact that she did not appreciate the effort um, until later. it was You could see Hawkeye like, oh, well, I tried and I'm in trouble now. When they both go storming out of the old club one after the other. Um, and yes, I just, as much as I love the last episode where Dr. Winchester, we got to see his softer side. I also love to see yeah, him with Dr. Ken size. and just to see that knocked down where he's trying to compare all these. Well, you know, and he kept getting corrected and everything that he said. And you know, now I'm not sure. What's your opinion on this? Was he actually being corrected or was Kent just coming up with BS? I think that he was being corrected. I think you this think Kent so? guy well, he did all this traveling. He may not have been the position that he was, but he still was there. And he knew, like, because Winchester, if he knew for sure that that was the place, mm-hmm. he would have fought for it. Mm-hmm. Even if it was above or someone. Okay. He wasn't sure. Okay. Because, yeah. So, like, I think he was corrected. Okay. Because I, I think the best example is when they're both going out about, when they each have a bottle of cognac. And Charles mentions that it's a 27, and, the, and Dr. Kent goes, yes, well, it is quite a good bottle, but as you know, 28 was the best year. And, and he did say, yes, I heard that's a good year. So I think the guy knew his stuff. Mm-hmm. But then I just love at the end when they're both snockered, and Charles just, you know what? I, I've had enough. I don't care. If you are, if if you are the son of a noble, you can't talk to me like that. <laughs> the guy I'm not goes, a son of a noble. My father was a butler, and when I became old enough, I was the chauffeur. <laughs> you were yes. bested by a chauffeur. <laughs> you tricked. And they didn't trick him. He said, I told you all the correct answers. I, you just assumed that yeah. was me. You said so, that, you were, that, that you had a house in Sussex. No, I said that my family 
Wintered in Sussex. You assumed, and I didn't correct you. <laughs> and and to and to see you crawling back for more every time. <laughs> it was just, yeah. I got a perverse pleasure out of seeing the 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 aristocratic Charles taken down a peg. I'm sorry. I shouldn't have, but I do. So. I know the feeling. Oh. And the the other thing I really like was when Margaret was trying to impress Johansson with her knowledge. Like, um, was it Hans Joseph Andersen? Actually, he's Danish. Everything she mentioned yeah. was Danish. It was funny. And then she finally got one right. S Smorgasbord. Smorgasbord, yep. Yeah, that, one. <laughs> that is ours. That is ours. It, except that in your country, it means all you can eat for five dollars. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but, uh, it was neat watching them part in my mind. Yeah, I thought so too. It was really cool. Because you know, in the implication is that they didn't do anything, even though Margaret could have had some fun, mm -hmm. even if Johansson didn't, but, um, the implication was clearly that they just kind of enjoyed each other's company all night, and Margaret seemed fulfilled. Right. By that. And, and that's. A lot of times while you're kneeling. And Johansson definitely was. Right. You know, because I don't think he was able... I, I don't think he felt whole enough or a man enough until that point to really let down his guard to get close to somebody. Because he said, this is the first time I've let myself get this close. Mm -hmm. And then he left very happy. Yeah. A very happy man. Yeah. Absolutely. It was great. Um, yeah. I just like the episode, seeing what these people do the four double seven and even with bj with his patient you know where um the patient is very understanding you know and he uh bj is clearly feeling bad that he has to take this kid's leg that he didn't prepare him for it that he didn't say okay um going to go. we're lumley we're gonna have to take your leg he never told him that just you know when, even when they were going in oh don't worry about it we're just gonna have to clean your leg again um, and he's talking to Father Mulcahy about it, and Father Mulcahy basically says, give the lad more credit. Right, and he's the one that said that about the 97% of the wounded mm -hmm. come out alive. And then, um, you know, they get back in post-op, the kid wakes up, and I think the first thing he says is, you had to take the leg? Yeah, mm -hmm. how'd you know? It doesn't hurt anymore. I'm alive, Doc. Yeah, it's so fine. Just don't tell my wife. Yeah. Just don't <laughs> so he was very right, grateful and very understanding, and it's something that I think BJ. I don't think he ever works through completely by the end of the series, but I think it's something that uh, he would get over. He if would get over. If he was fine, he'll be fine. Yeah, absolutely. You know. Um. Anything else? No, I don't. I... Uh, then fun fact, the guy who played Johansson and Loretta Sweat would marry in December 1983, almost cool. 11 months after this episode aired. Cool. They did divorce in 1995, but they got but married. they got married. It's so cool when people meet on shows like that, in my mind. Um, other things, trivia, Hawkeye mentions that Joseph Stalin had recently died. That's when he interrupts Johansson and, uh, Houlihan. Uh, and I want to, you know, let me let me pitch you my uh, my speech for uh, Supreme Emperor of Russia. Well, uh, Stalin had died March fifth, nineteen fifty three. Okay, so that's kind of in line. 
Uh, title is from the song You and the Night and the Music by Howard Dietz and Arthur Schwartz. Uh, Hawkeye jokes, back in Crabapple Cove, we had a great summer home. It was the back porch of our winter home. This mm -hmm. is when Charles and uh, Kent were having a dick measuring contest. Uh, although it's since been well established that the Pierce family lives permanently and modestly in Crabapple Cove, Maine, in early seasons, Hawkeye referred to Crabapple Cove on numerous occasions as his family's summer home, as early on his character was said to have actually been from Vermont. Uh, and then we had guest star David Packer, who later appeared in Almost Heroes as another character who, through misfortune, loses a leg. Oh. <laughs> Typecasting. <laughs> okay. Uh, guest stars reincurring cast, we have George Innes as Dr. Randolph Kent, Dennis Hallahan as Per Johansson, Kavi Raz as Captain Ramutri, Ramurti Lal, and David Packer as Private Lumley. Also, Kelly Nakahara as Lieutenant Kelly Amaro, Bill Snyder as the bartender, Shari Saba as Nurse Shari, Bridget Chandler as the nurse. Production code 9B06. Writers Elias Davis, David Pollock. Director, Colonel Potter. Oh, cool. Harry cool. Morgan. Good job. Rest in peace. And original air date January 3rd, 1983. Now, see, this is the really... hear us. This is the really bummer part, by the way, just as an aside, 1983. It finished its original airing before I was born, and that sucks! <laughs> I have to say that at least once every so often. All right, so, um, thank you so much for tuning in. If you found any value in this, there are a couple ways you can support us. One, share this with friends, a family member, a co-worker. Anyone you think would like to hear us blather on for about 45 minutes. Um, you know, you can also connect with us on social media, facebook.com slash whiskey and mash. You can find us on your favorite podcast application. Just search for whiskey and mash. Or if you don't do the podcast thing, you can head over to our website, narclaninc.com slash whiskey and mash, or just the Narclan Inc. homepage. Go to the podcast link, go to the whiskey and mash page. There on the page are links off to our social media page, uh, facebook.com slash whiskey and mash, and an email link directly to the podcast, if you care to just email us directly. Also on that page are the MP3s of all of our back recordings. What that means is you can download those directly to your MP3 playing device or stream them right off the website. If you don't do the podcast thing, that's another way to hook up with us and listen to us. Uh, yeah, thank you so much for tuning in. Whether you're a first-time listener or a returning listener, we appreciate each and every one of you who listens to this podcast and we would love to know that you are listening to us. Best way to do that, go over to our Facebook page, like us, follow us. Whenever we put out a new recording, I put the synopsis of the recording over there so you know that we've released a new episode. Just give us a like, you know, on that on that synopsis. Just give us a like, maybe a comment if you feel so inclined. But that way, you know, we kind of see, oh, my goodness, people actually... <laughs> Listen, and it's great. Um, well, thank and, you for that. Yeah, and you know, we, we know that there are so many podcasts out there, and there's more than just this one MASH podcast even, and we appreciate the time that you give to us uh, during your during your day, during your commute, to listen to us. So thank you so much. Uh, I'm Chris. I'm Gloria. And uh, that'll work. Have a good week. Bye. Uh, head right out. Yep. I need to know.
episodes. Yeah. Okay. Have a good week, Have everyone. Have a good week, everyone. Bye.